podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to Two Footed Podcast. It is Friday. The weekend is upon us. It is the 11th of December, and this is the Two Footed Podcast brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. Do check out their services at libertyshield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off your hardware or software package. A VPN is a virtual privacy network which allows you to Change your location online, and if you want to access things like American Netflix, you can do that, or it'll just keep your data safe. Simple as that. It'll just keep you safe from online hackers and ne'er-do-wells. So good services to be had, good customer service, libertyshield.com. A little bit of full disclosure here. Yesterday, started the podcast, mentioned my friend's business, called it Home of Hopcroft, decided in my head that wasn't correct, restarted the entire intro annoying guy it was one of about 16 restarts yesterday called it house of hopcroft and continued to cause it house of hopcroft throughout the podcast and it is home of hopcroft it is not house of hopcroft house of hopcroft is the uh you know the the royal home of of sir greg uh it has nothing to do with his business the business is home of hopcroft and the website is homeofhopcroft.co.uk so do check it out. Just to be aware, not all products are available on the website at the moment. They should be back up in the new year, but the new shop that they've opened is just crazy busy. So they've had to take a lot of stuff off the online availability and just have it in store. But come January, um, it should be up and running at full speed. So do check that out. It is, it's a great service. They've got great products and worldwide shipping, so you can't go wrong. Um, right, into the podcast we go. Uh, it is Friday, which means I've got Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir? I am fantastic, Dave. How are you? That's good to hear. Fantastic. Cyberpunk must be working out pretty well for you. It's all right. It's all right, actually. And as as you know by the WhatsApp, there was the Game Awards last night, and you decided to change the WhatsApp name to, what was it? Can I, can I say that on, on here? Dave? No, I don't think so. No. <laughs> I don't think no. so. <laughs> so basically, I had put my phone down for like, Maybe an hour and a half. Maybe an hour and a half. And I came back to it and there was 254 new messages in this uh, WhatsApp group in an hour and a half. That's quite tame. It, I don't know. I don't know. You've been in AI WhatsApp groups before. There's a reason I'm not in AI WhatsApp <laughs> groups anymore. And only half of them are the fact that gags just pollutes them with uh, battery draining. Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do this? Can you do that? <laughs> anyway, enough about WhatsApp groups. Um, we've got a full slate of games this weekend. Ten games, and the games get thick and fast. This weekend is match day twelve. Midweek uh, across Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we get match day thirteen, and then next weekend match day fourteen. So. A lot of games in a short period of time for clubs. 
Um, so I think we're going to start seeing some more rotation. Uh, obviously, the teams that have been in Europe will be used to this weekend, midweek, weekend thing. But for the teams that aren't, this will be new and it will be interesting to see if certain teams, the likes of West Ham, the likes of Southampton that have made good starts, will be able to maintain that. So, Guy, let's get started with Friday night. Yep, so there's a game tonight. Uh, sounds quite... Uh, it could be quite enjoyable on paper, I reckon. Leeds v West Ham. Um, Leeds, again, very up and down. West Ham, uh, so probably surprisingly good this season. Obviously, disappoint, disappointing result against uh, United last weekend. But what, what do you make of this one? Yeah, so as you said, Leeds sitting in 14th. I don't think they'll be overly happy with that. But look, if you're a newly promoted team... Anything above 18th position is fine. If you get 17th, say a prayer, thank everybody you know, and just move on to next season. Um, West Ham sitting in 8th, that is 10 spots higher than I thought they'd be, genuinely. Um, Five wins is about four more than I thought they'd have at this point in the season. So they can be really, really happy with with their start. Obviously, they had a disappointing result last time out against United, where they did go 1-0 up, missed a couple of big chances, and then fall foul to a, a poor decision from the VAR not to rule the ball out of play when Dean Henderson's clearance clearly went out of play. Um, injury-wise, this weekend, Leeds will be without Robin Cock and Diego Loriente. Uh, Gaetano Berardi and Adam Forshaw have been out long-term and, and remain out long-term. So, issues at centre-back... It looks like it's going to be Luke Ayling and Liam Cooper. Bielsa did name his team in a midweek press conference, so you'd wonder if he'll stick to that. But um, he named quite an attacking team, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, for West Ham, Yarmolenko is out, um, Masuaka is out, and then Fredericks and Mikel Antonio will have late fitness tests. Antonio less likely to play, I think, or less likely to be available than Fredericks. Fredericks won't start, even if he is fit. Um, I think this promises to be a good game. Obviously, West Ham probably have had the the better form of late, but Leeds are Leeds at home. Leeds with Phillips in the team, they are a different beast. I'm going to say Leeds win this one three one. It it's seemingly the biggest question is how how big who the injuries will affect the most because Masuaku out does that mean Creswell moving to left wing back etc. It's a uh... See, that's the thing. And then, and then what happens at centre-back? I mean, I know, I know they have Issa Diop, who I think is better than any of the three starting centre-backs they have. But he's not left-footed. So maybe Ogbonna goes to left-side centre-back. Mm. But then he has struggled there in a back three in the past. When he was at Juve, they played a back three and they brought him in to be a backup to Chiellini. And he was a bit of a disaster, in truth. Um, it just didn't really suit playing the left side of a three. So... It'll be interesting to see. It will be interesting to see. I, I would imagine you're right. I think Cressel will have to go to wing back. They should have addressed their fullback situation better in the summer. But um yeah, that that's gonna be a big thing for them. And obviously the lack of Robin Cock at centre back forces Luke Ayling into the team at centre back where he normally plays right back, and then I think Stuart Dallas, I think, is gonna line up at right back according to the team Bielsa announced. So we'll see. We'll see. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. But I think Leeds have I think they've got enough going forward to cause West Ham real problems. Yeah, it should be fun. Should be fun. Uh, moving on to Saturday, uh, early kickoff BT as usual. Uh, Wolves v Aston Villa. Um, 
this could be a really good game, but as we pretty much say every Friday, Wolves are very boring and Aston Villa seemingly already turn up against the good teams. Oh, the, no, not the good teams, because Arsenal aren't good. Um, the big teams. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Wolves are... Wolves are Wolves have been boring this year. There's just no way around that. And without Raul Jimenez, who's out with the fractured skull, there's a real lack of a goal threat in that team. They've got plenty of creativity with Adama, Pedence, and Neto, plus Ruben Neves and Moutinho in midfield. But that lack of a cutting edge is, is a concern. Maybe they start on um, Fabio Silva in this game. Maybe. I, I always call him Andre Silva. Yeah. <laughs> It's just, they should have bought Andre Silva. They would have been better off. Um, But maybe they start him. This is probably an easier game to start him in than, say, like Liverpool last weekend. Mm -hmm. For Villa, they're without a lot of players. Uh, Wesley is still ruled out. Ross Barkley has a fitness fitness test. Engels and uh, Gilbert are both a fitness test. Neither of them would be starters anyway. Uh, And Tom Heaton is still out, as is Keenan Davis. But again, they're not missing many starters other than Barkley. But it does just mean that with those with that midweek game coming up, they may have to go full strength in all three games, which could be a bit of a drain on them. This is the type of game that I would expect Wolves to win at home. But Jimenez is such a massive loss to them, and they don't score many goals. I'm going to say one all. I think both teams have some minor issues they need to address in January. Um, I think it'll be a competitive game. I don't think it'll be very exciting unless Jack Grealish does some madness. But yeah, I'll I'll go 1-1. Yeah, but I've noticed more and more creeping into Aston Villa, the, the couple fans I follow on Twitter, that it, it's, becoming, it's becoming quite obvious when, when Watkins isn't playing quite well the team is just yeah they're not functioning at all which that's I know the Wesley, thing. I mean, Wesley wasn't great but that's kind of the option you'd want off the bench I suppose exactly and the, the thing is one of the reasons Grealish has been freed up so much this year is Watkins pulling defenders in all kinds of directions with his movement and his pace running into that channel between right back and right centre back and making the right back just drop off those two yards frees things up for Grealish gives him a lot more time and space in the bowl and that's part of why he's been so effective. But again, the games where Watkins hasn't played well, Grealish hasn't played particularly well. The loss yeah. of Barkley as well puts all that creative emphasis back on Grealish, whereas Barkley had taken maybe 30% off of it, and it was a- an easier load for Grealish to manage. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting one. It, uh, like you say, Watkins is absolutely key. I think him and Ezri Konza are the two most important players in that Villa team when it comes to their performance level. Grealish is obviously their best player. Douglas Luiz, I think, is the most important player in terms of how the system works. But if Cons is off, the defence tends to be very, very ropey. Mm. And if Watkins is off, the attack doesn't function very well. Mm. So for everything to work, I think those two tend to be really important for them. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. And... um... What did you say that 1-1, one, one, was it? 1-1. One, one. Yeah, I probably think similar. Uh, moving on to the next game, then Newcastle v West Brom. And I suppose the first question, Dave, is should this game be going ahead, considering Newcastle still have a lot of people out with coronavirus, whether whether they actually have it or they're just still suffering from the effects of the virus? 
Yeah, I mean, they've got a bunch of people out with, with COVID and uh, there's obviously other people that were maybe exposed to them. And they, I think as long as they've, they've had their two negative tests, they should be okay. But the issue is we don't really know the after effects yet of COVID. Like, how is it affecting people's uh, lung capacity and things mm, like that? Yeah. So, you know, it it is a bit of a it is a bit of a questionable one. I, I think Newcastle were anxious to get this game played and, and kind of move on from that. I know they they, they closed the training ground, they had it completely um deep cleaned and, and you know fumigated. But um it, it is it is it, it's just difficult. It's difficult in this in this season to know what the best decision is. I mean, some people will say they should have scrapped the season altogether. Others will mm-hmm. say, you know, just carry on regardless. Like, you, you look at how the NFL are doing, and they just carry on regardless. Teams have 14 and 15 players ruled out, but they just carry on. Now, it helps that they've got massive massive squads, but, you know, we've seen situations where the Denver Broncos had no quarterbacks and had to just take a wide receiver and say, right, son, we know you haven't played quarterback in like eight years, but that's what you're going to do today. And they lost the game. Just throwing massively... the ball? <laughs> <laughs> I've got some people that make questions on that one. But like, you know, so, so they're just carrying on regardless. Whereas you look at the NBA and they're going through, they went through the bubble thing at the end of last season and made it, you know, a much more unique atmosphere where all the players were literally living in Disneyland and um, nobody from the outside was allowed in. Mm. So there's there's obviously just different ways to deal with it. The Premier League, I, I think they're doing a decent job of dealing with it the way they have. Yeah. I thought it was a good decision last weekend to cancel the Villa game, uh, the Villa, Villa Newcastle game. So we'll give them the benefit of the doubt and just say this, this is the right decision and, and hopefully it works out for them. Um, Newcastle have quite the injury list. Uh, Dubravka is still out. Frazier, Lachelles, and St. Maximum, and Isaac Hayden, all key players, all face late fitness tests. Andy Carroll's a doubt, which I think is just an automatic thing that you should say before every game. <laughs> since 2015. Um, <laughs> since, since, no, or well, when yeah. did we sign him? 2011? Oh, God. Time. 2011. Yeah, since he fell off that bar stool having signed for Liverpool. Yeah. Um, and Torres time muscle. Great move, Andy. Well done. Really, really helped your career. Uh, Dwight Gale is a doubt. And Paul Dummett is ruled out. So a lot of players um, unavailable for the tune. West Brom, they have their own share of, of issues. Connor Townsend is out. Uh, Pereira will be suspended after his red card last week. Sam Field is a doubt. Hal Robson Canu is out and Jake Livermore should be back all going well um after his um his bout of covid so key players there Pereira is so important to them I think Sam Field can play a big part in their season once he gets back up to to fitness and and everything is good um Livermore's a captain isn't he and Livermore yeah like you say the captain plus Hal Rob- Robson Canu as a as an energy player off the bench, someone that can just come on and give you a little bit of a spark. You know, they're they're all these things matter. I think Billich is probably under a lot of pressure at the moment. Um, obviously the season is not going the way they'd hoped. 
in large part because they didn't address their defence in the summer and it has been an abomination. They fell apart last weekend against Palace. One all, Pereira gets sent off and they just they just collapse. They just fall over. Allowed Christian Benteke to score two goals. Man scored six goals oh. in the previous three years and you allow him to score two goals in half a game of football. It's just, it's an abomination. Can't be doing things like that. You do that, you almost deserve to go down if you're going to let him score twice. Um, Newcastle, obviously, they're a Steve Bruce team. So they're doing Steve Bruce things. They're 13th. They're most likely very happy with 13th, or he is anyway. Um, But it doesn't take much to fall back, you know? I mean, Arsenal are a point behind. Leeds are level on points. If both of those teams won and Newcastle lost this weekend, they dropped to 15th. If Brighton win... All of a sudden, they're fifteenth, but they're on. they sorry, they're fifteenth, but only a point above the team in sixteenth. Do you know? And then if the the teams below that start to pick up points, it just does creep up on you that you get dragged into these relegation mires. At home, though, with with Callum Wilson in great form, Jolington playing quite well. I, I think Newcastle have the edge. The lack of Pereira is massive for West Brom. As a creator, I'm going to say Newcastle have too much for them and win 2-1. Yeah, I think the lack of Pereira, I mean, I haven't watched every West Brom game, but when I have watched them, it's seemingly him or bust. That's about it. Pretty much. Pretty much. It is him or bust. That is exactly it. I mean, Conor Gallagher's popped up with with two goals in the last two games, but I mean... He's not going to do that every game. The guy they rely on every single game is Mateus Pereira. He's he's the main reason they came up. He was brilliant last year in the championship. And unfortunately for them, if they go down, there's not a hope that they're going to be able to keep him. He will find many's the suitor looking for a player of his ilk and his talent. So um, they need to hope and pray they can stay in the Premier League. And... Uh, him being out suspended is not going to help that. Yeah, yeah, and it was it's it's a winnable game. What well was a was a winnable game for West Brom. I mean, it still is obviously, but it would help if the best player was available. Um, but moving on to probably the biggest game of the weekend, unless I'm missing something obvious. No, uh, Man United, Man City, the Manchester derby, just like the South Coast derby last week, almost almost as big, Dave. Um. <laughs> Man United obviously went out in the Champions League midweek and Man City have seen, seemed to be recapturing form. But have we seen this story before where Man United come into a Manchester derby terrible and then end up winning like 3-0? Yeah, and we've definitely seen it under Oli. Uh, last season, United won three of the four Manchester derbies. They lost the first leg of the uh, League Cup semi-final, won the second leg, but it wasn't enough to overcome the uh, the first leg deficit. They won both league games though, which was big. And it just is the type of game that Ollie wins. You know, he's played he's had five games now against Pep. He's won three of them. And he seems to win them when he's under a bit of pressure. They've been very vocal in their support of him after the Champions League catastrophe, which can go one of two ways. Either it's real or it's just fluff and bluster. And they're publicly supporting him while working behind the scenes. I think it's probably real. Um, 
and I do think he might be a, a little bit safer than we think he is. Um, I mean, based on talent, this is no contest. City should wipe the floor with them. But United do have that attacking threat of Bruno, of Greenwood, of Rashford, of course, Martial, if he's available, um, Cavani. Let's see, what are the injuries? For City, Eric Garcia has a knock, and Ilkay Gundogan has, a, has an ankle injury. Both of them are seen as doubtful for this game. For United, Phil Jones, Martial looks like he's out and Cavani is out. So those are those are a blow. Oli, probably not adventurous enough to go to a, a box midfield and play both Donny and Bruno in behind. Maybe he'll go with a diamond midfield and play Donny as one of the eights. Doesn't, doesn't suit him ideally, but it, it can work. Um... United are going to look to sit in and counter. That's what they'll try and do in this game. There's no other way for them to play against City, but they do have players in Greenwood and Rashford that can hurt City on the counter. I still think City should have too much for them, though. And I know I'm going to end up being wrong about this because it is just the game that United win. But I'm going to say City win this game 3-1. And I know this is the predictions pub up you say he's safer, but two huge losses in a week, would that change it? I mean, we met, I asked you the question about Arsenal managers last uh, yesterday. Um, mm. Pochettino's out there. He's obviously more of a realistic possibility for United. I mean, you mentioned Allegri, etc. There's a lot of options out there. There is. I, I just... Like, the, the United thing to do is to just make a panic decision and grab whoever you can grab. And with Pochettino sitting there available, that's the type of thing that they have been prone to do over the last seven years. Um, So I I do think if they decide to sack him, I do think they will uh, jump at Pochettino or... Or Allegri. Now, there's a lot of rumours in France at the moment that uh, Thomas Tuchel is very much on the verge of getting the heave-ho, that they have eyes on Pochettino, and that should United decide to move on from Oli, PSG could very quickly turn to Pochettino and just boot Tommy Tuchel out the door. Mm. In which case... Tuchel to United. Tuchel to United is, is what I think could well happen. Uh, unlike Allegri, he is fluent in English. He has spoken about a desire to manage in England. He followed in the footsteps of Jurgen Klopp, so wouldn't it be kind of ironic if he ended up managing the biggest rival to Jurgen Klopp? Um, Trev would be so pleased. <laughs> Trev, Trev would be ecstatic by the idea. It, I, th- I genuinely think we would see Trev age in reverse. He would go into a shed in the middle of his field in rural Ireland and an hour later he would emerge as a, as a sprightly 20-year-old, full of vigour, ready to take on the world again uh, at this this dream scenario where, where Tommy Tuchel um, <laughs> take, takes over at United. Look, Tuchel's a good manager. There's, there's no question he's a good manager, but 
um, he, he makes questionable decisions. I mean, the only way you can top that is if Sean Dyche got the job. I mean, if that happens, we're doing, like, this podcast just becomes <laughs> Dice Watch oh. um, every day. Me and, and I'm bringing Trev in full-time, it's just the two of us and you, yeah. talk Dicey. Little bit of little bit of Tony Pulis sprinkled in there, you know, for the the nostalgia purposes, and obviously... Well, yeah, well, whilst it lasts, because it's not going well for Tony at the minute. It's not going well for Tony. <laughs> Not going well for Tony. Uh, for more Tony Pulis related banter, do check out uh, AI Scouted on Anfield Index Pro. Um, right, let's move on. Right. Um, Everton v Chelsea. Um, this, to my memory, usually is a bit of a tasty fish. There's normally goals in this. Everton form again up and down, more down recently. Uh, but Calvert Lewin's still there. I think I can't remember what game it was, but I think it might have been Newcastle actually where we wanted Andy Carroll v Thiago Silva. It is Calvert Lewin now going to be the the proper welcome to the Premier League for for Thiago Silva? You reckon? Hopefully, hopefully, um, I think he'll get more a lot more joy from him than he will from Zuma from a physical standpoint. But he might mm. he might play on Zuma's positional errors. Yeah. Um, like you say. Everton come into this game in pretty poor form. Just one win from their last uh, seven games, having won their first four. Five defeats in that time. Um, not, not a sorry, four defeats. Not not five, four defeats. Not a particularly good run for Everton, who did make that great start. And we've already seen a couple of Everton fans start to question Carlo, which, given how excited they were to get him and and the fact that they did get him. At Everton is bananas. Um, All downhill since Unsworth left. Yeah, I mean that's the thing, you know. Big Davy Unsworth, call him. Um, he's, he's he does a really good job when he's brought in as caretaker and then just never gets the job. Maybe he should have become caretaker of Manchester United. They they'll give you the job if you do well. Um, that's what you should do. If Ollie gets gone, Unsworth should apply as to be caretaker, do well for four or five games. You might get a four year contract. You know. Exactly. Make yourself a big bag of money. Um, Everton are missing Luca Dina, which is massive, absolutely massive. He is so important how they play. And Fabian Delft got injured last weekend, who was the nominal backup to him. Robin Olsen is a doubt. Seamus Coleman is a doubt, and Gabamon is still ruled out. I'm not sure he exists. I'm not sure he's a real footballer at all. I think he's just you know a name that they use to launder some money or something because. I think he's played like four times since they signed him 18 months ago. Um, for Chelsea, Zayic and Hudson-Odoi are both ruled out. But they still have more than enough attacking talent to make things work. Obviously, this is a, this is Frank Lampard going up against another former manager of his. And in this case, I think the manager, he had his best individual season when he scored, I think, 26 goals in 50 games from midfield as Chelsea won the double uh, in 0-9-10. Um, and I think if you look at Frank's managers when he was a player, Carlo was probably the one he, that Frank as a manager is most, most similar to in terms of his demeanour, in terms of how you hear players talk about him, in terms of what you hear about how he operates at the training ground and how much trust he puts in his, in his staff. Um, 
I think this is an interesting game. Chelsea are in, are in very good form in the league. I'm going to give Everton the benefit of the doubt, given it's at home, given Calvert-Lewin's in great form. And I'm going to say Everton can get a draw from this game. But I am leaning towards a Chelsea win. But I'll say 2-2. Yeah, I keep doubting Chelsea because you look and you're like, oh, the midfield's unbalanced and all that jazz. And they just keep winning. <laughs> so uh, That's the thing. Now, in yeah. truth, they've had a very, very easy slate of games. Like, if, if we look at their their running games in the Premier League going backwards. Uh, last time out, Leeds. Yeah, Leeds are a good team, but newly promoted team, a team that Chelsea should beat because they've got a much better squad. Draw with Spurs. Beat Newcastle. Of course they should beat Newcastle. Beat Sheffield United. Everybody beats Sheffield United. Beat Burnley. Again, everybody beats Burnley. But then they drew at United. Drew with Southampton. Beat Palace. Of course they should beat Palace. The draw with West Brom, and then Liverpool, they lost. I know they and they beat Brighton before that, but they should beat Brighton. They got massively outplayed, but they should always beat Brighton, and they did. The only teams they've played this season that they shouldn't beat pretty comfortably are Liverpool, United, and Spurs, and they haven't won any of those games. They've also failed to beat West Brom and Southampton. So I just look at this Chelsea team, I just think they're flat-track bullies. I think they're fine against the lower half of the league, the teams they should beat, purely based on the talent that they put on the pitch. Yeah. But when they go up against teams that can match them for talent, they crawl into into a shell. I mean, we saw them against Liverpool. Offered nothing. Offered nothing against United. Just parked the bus against United. And against Chelsea, or against Spurs rather, even though Spurs sat back and pretty much parked the bus in in full uh, Jose mode, they didn't really offer anything. So, To be fair against Jose, we saw in the Arsenal game, if you do overcommit against Jose, you will Yeah, yeah, that's it. You'll get get (laughs) cut apart. Yeah. Um, So, I, I, I don't... I stand by what I've said. I'm not impressed by Chelsea this year. I'm impressed by the run of run of wins. I think, you know, if you can string together four, five, six games uh, of wins. I know they, they had a couple of draws in there with, with Spurs and that, but I didn't expect them to win against Spurs. But they're also winning in the Champions League, you know. And again, again, it's an easy group. They got the easiest group of any of the English teams. Um, but they're still winning games. So that's impressive, but I'm. I don't buy them as a as a title challenger at all. I think they're flat track bullies, that's and I think a, when they play to get the top four, though, isn't it? 100%. It should be enough to get them fourth. Yeah. It should be enough to get them fourth. Uh, my Everton pick is obviously looking like a disaster. I I got <laughs> carried away with the hype. I'll admit that now. I got carried away with the hype. But look, that's what I picked. That's what I'll stick with. Uh, I still believe that it will be Liverpool, City, and Spurs as the top three. Um, and I think there will be a gap to fourth because mm-hmm. I think there's a gap in quality from those three to everybody else. Yeah. I think they got like 66 points last season, which would probably usually get you fifth or sixth. So if they get, I don't know, above 72, that's pro- I think that's enough progress for Lampard to build. So, so 66 points in, in 17-18, it would have got you sixth. In 18-19... It would have got you sixth. It's what United got. 
And yet last season it got you third because United and mm. Chelsea both finished on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 16, 17, it would have got you seventh. 15, 16, it actually would have got you fourth. City finished fourth at 66. And the season before, if 14, 15, it would have got you fifth. So only one other season out of the last six, it would have been enough for top four. And yet last year it was enough for top three. So Liverpool ran away with the league last year. There was there was no competition. You know, it was just it was one team and then another team and then everybody else. Um I, I don't I don't buy them as title contenders, but they are definitely a top four contender, no question. They're in the mix for that sport, fourth spot with the likes of United, Leicester, uh and that's probably it. It's probably just those three in, in, in truth. Yeah, it really, it really is. It really is. Uh, I'd probably make Chelsea favourites for this one myself, but we'll move on to quite a packed Sunday. As you said, there's, there's uh, midweek games now, so there's no Monday game. So mm. All of it's crammed in on Sunday. But starting off, um, Southampton against Sheffield United. Um, Southampton obviously got uh, the win on Monday, I think it was, um, against Brighton. Danny Ings is back. How big is that? Massive. Absolutely massive. And um, Southampton now have a completely clear injury slate. Everybody is is fit. There's one or two players that maybe aren't fully match fit like Salisu, but everybody is fit and ready to go. And that's huge. Uh, For Sheffield United, Ampadu is is facing a late fitness test. So is Lee Smusset and Enda Stevens. And Jack O'Connell obviously continues to be ruled out. So they they desperately need those three players to be available. They need Moussad available because they lack thrust and attack. They need Ampadu and uh, Stevens available because their centre-back situation has just not, not been good this year without O'Connell. Um, there's, there's not a whole bunch to talk about in this one. Southampton have been good this season. One of the surprise packages. Um, Sheffield United have been a, a disaster. The most disappointing team in the league. Fifth versus twentieth. Uh, I think Sheffield United's run of one point from continues. I think after this weekend it'll be one point from twelve and uh, one point from thirty six points, as I, as I should say. Uh, I'm going to say Southampton win this game. I think they'll win it comfortably. I'll give them three nil. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I mean. Until Sheffield United show me that there's actually a bit of fight in them, a little bit of dog about the team, there's nothing to believe in. Until Chris Wilder stops being so dogmatic about his team selection, his tactical setup, there's nothing to grasp to in terms of hope that they could turn this around. They, They look a lost cause already. And they have done for probably four or five weeks now. Hmm. I mean, well, they nearly got a draw with Leicester, but Neely's not going to save you, I suppose. But they- No, well, that's the thing, and a draw is no good to them. Like, they mm. need to win games. They need to start winning games, and it needs to happen really, really soon. And, you know, they've got Southampton this weekend, then they get United next weekend, then Brighton away, then Everton, then Burnley away, Palace away. Like, there's not a game in that group that you look at and say, that's one they should win. There's just not that game there. Like, 
United should beat them next weekend, but maybe you know, maybe Sheffield United can get a draw. <laughs> you know, Brighton away, nice. you'd expect Brighton to win at home to Sheffield United, but again, maybe they can get a draw. Maybe they get a draw against Everton. Maybe they pick up a draw against Burnley. Palace will beat them at Palace. Palace just grind. That's the type of game Palace always win. Yeah. But like if they go Say they say they pick up four points over the next six games. Like that's not saving them. That's not saving them at all. That's five points from seventeen games. It's nearly half the season. Would that even take them out the relegation zone? No, no. That's no. the thing. Like as things stand, they they would still be bottom, even if everybody else lost. If if like because if they get a draw against Burnley, Burnley will go to seven points. If West Brom lost, that's assuming they lose all their other uh, five games. If West Brom lost all six, they'd still be a point ahead of them. So it's just, it's really difficult. Now, if they can get one win, maybe they start to build a bit of momentum. Maybe that confidence comes back. Maybe we see a bit of fight and desire about this team. But right now, there's just nothing to cling to. Absolutely nothing. And it's... It's just, it's so disappointing after what a great season they had last year. It is really disappointing to see this season go like this for them. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. It's still salvageable, but it, they're literally going to have to win like five games on the bounce at some point. They, they need they need at least three wins from the next six games. Mm-hmm. At least three wins from the next six games. Because... Burnley, West Brom and Fulham will pick up some points. Brighton will pick up points. But if they could win three of those six, that would put them on ten points. That would probably get them in the mix, at least. And at least they'd have a little bit of something. A little bit of fight in them. And at least they'd have a fighting chance. If they don't do that, I mean, just wave them goodbye. Just just call all their games and just say, look, you know, you get ready for next season. We'll just We'll just say they're old. 2-0 defeats. Um, <laughs> purely purely because Derby County are paying us because uh, they want to be replaced as the worst team in Premier League history. That's true. That's true. Um, on a more positive note from this fiction, I mean, Southampton, you mentioned Everton was your pick to be surprisingly in the top four. I, maybe top four is a stretch, but can Southampton get into Europe? I mean, they're starting to use Gineppo a bit. That may be more with Redmond being injured, but th- some players who were settling in last year, seem to be playing a bit more. Yeah, I, I really like that, that uh, Jennifer's getting heavy minutes now. I think I think they've got a chance of challenging for Europe. Um, now that Ings is back, that's going to be huge for them. Ings and, and Adams were working really well together before uh, Ings got injured, so hopefully that just that partnership picks back up. Then you get Armstrong and Jennifer behind with Redmond as you know an option. Um, maybe, maybe in January they look to upgrade on on Armstrong and bring in someone who's a bit more of a goal threat. Um, they do have Diallo, who's who they signed in the summer that they that they're bringing along into the midfield mix. Um, Salisu, obviously, as I've mentioned a whole bunch of times, to come into that defensive mix. So. He'll play one st- day. <laughs> he will play someday. He will absolutely play someday. Um, it's funny, like, 
he he's one of the worst signings they've ever made, but I think he's actually a very good player who could really help them at the minute. But Mohamed El Yanassi is on loan at Celtic, and I actually think he'd fit really well into this as it's currently constructed. Um, if it is if they, he was just binned out. What was the? It process? was very very strange. Very very. He must strange. have done something. He must have done something, or I, I actually just don't know. I actually just mm. don't know what the he what gave, the issue is. Ralph gave like Boo Fallon stuff a go, didn't he? So it's, it's that's strange. the thing, and he, he like he Ralph fell out with Cedric. Yeah, and then Cedric went on loan, and then he brought him back and and gave him game time. Fell out with Buffal, sent him on loan, brought him back and gave him game. So maybe next season we will see uh, uh, El Yanasi play because I think him and Jenepo, as those in to out attacking midfield slash wingers, could be very very good, very very productive. Um, Just I think Shaqiri they've got an outside chance, an outside chance at European football. Get Shakiri off us; it'll be lovely. He'd actually be a good fit there. He actually mm. would be a good fit. Now, whether he could deal with the the workload, I don't know. That's one of the problems he has at Liverpool. But yeah, um, he, he's a, you know, Shaq's a very good player. Something different. Um, Crystal Palace v Spurs. Um, on paper, you'd probably say this is all Spurs, but we've mentioned, well, kind of passingly, that Spurs suit playing as counter attack obviously uh, dismantled Arsenal, as we kind of mentioned. Palace aren't going to move from their box. How how does this affect Spurs' ideal attacking style? Yeah, this, this is one of those games Spurs are going to have to really grind out a win. This is the type of game where you do kind of set forward your, your title credentials because Palace won't give them a thing. Palace will fight and claw for everything and they won't overcommit. They will want to play on the counter as well, um, with the likes of Easy and Zaha. But that, I mean, that is what Spurs, what Spurs really want to do. Um, Spurs are without uh, Eric Lamella again, and Serge Aurier is a doubt. Whereas for Palace, nobody who'd be a starter is missing is missing out. Connor Wickham's injured, Martin Kelly's injured, Wayne Hennessy is injured. And obviously Nathan Ferguson has been out all year. He's the only one that w- could be a starter from that group. Um, you'd have to favour Spurs purely based on talent and form. Spurs are the better team here. You would have to rely on the quality they have available to them in the likes of Kane and Son. And they rotate before... A game against us, obviously the play. I'm, I don't know what their team was yesterday, but I mean they could. Yeah. I I don't know that. I don't know that they will. So they they obviously play. Um, they they and Liverpool play on Sunday, and then that game is Wednesday night. So they might be okay to go full strength. They might be comfortable enough going full strength. Looking at next weekend, where Liverpool play Palace away, uh, funnily enough, and they might rotate for that game, and Spurs have Leicester at home, and maybe they rest one or two mm. in that one. It looks like um, only Regulon and potentially Lo Celso were starters who played last night. Yeah. And Doherty so, I mean, lost Aurea's out, obviously. Um, yeah, Doherty played last night as well, and, and he's almost certain to start mm-hmm. this game because they, they only have... The one, the 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 one of the right back in Aurier who's got that knock. So I'm going to say Spurs win this game. It will not be a pretty game of football, but I think Spurs come out two one winners. 
Yeah, as you said, it's, uh, I think we've said it a few times with Spurs, but the games that suit them, this certainly doesn't. So if they win this, it, it, it'd really put a marker down, I think, and then great confidence going into the big game on Wednesday. Um, But possibly the opposite of a Crystal Palace is playing Fulham for Liverpool uh, at Craven Cottage, I should, I should say. Um, this should be a banker for Liverpool, but Fulham have improved a bit and seem to have mm. fixed the defence, but we, I think they played Man City last week and they didn't really lay a glove on them, albeit they only kept them at two, I think it was. Um, should this be a game that Liverpool get an early win and then start taking people off, you think? Or Yeah, I think yeah. that's exactly what the plan would be. Liverpool will look to score early, go in at half-time comfortable, and then they'll start resting people um, around the 60-minute mark ahead of that Spurs game. This is a game that should be a banker for Liverpool, without question. One of the things that Fulham still need to improve is playing out from the back. They're still a little bit sloppy when they try that. They don't try it nearly as much now as they did in the early days of the season when like, they gifted Arsenal a couple of goals. But Liverpool Liverpool will tear them apart if they make def- mm-hmm. uh, defensive errors. Um, you would expect Liverpool to win this game very, very comfortably. Though, of course, Liverpool do have uh, quite the injury list. Alisson Becker... Not expected back. Joe Gomez out for the season. Shakiri is out. Milner is out. Van Dijk is out for the season. Simicus is out after picking up a knock in midweek. Thiago Alcantara is out. And Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain is out. So eight players missing for Liverpool. Uh, likely only three that will be... Uh, sorry, four that will be starters. But that is still four starters. And three of them are world-class in, in Alison Becker. Virgil van Dijk and Thiago Alcantara. They're all the best or among the best in the world in their you position. You say that like Thiago exists. I am I am clinging to the fact <laughs> that I, I briefly saw him in a Liverpool jersey. I'm that clinging was a charity to that. game. <laughs> I don't care. I'm clinging to it. If not, we're signing him in January and we're going full board. It'll be fine. But when you're missing three world-class players, plus your other starting centre-back, plus important squad players like Oxley, chamberlain Milner and Shaqiri, it it does really drive home the point that the fact that they're second in the league only on goal difference and top the difficult Champions League group, they are having a very good season, um, despite not being as impressive as last year and despite having gotten well up 7-2 by Aston Villa. Um, Fulham are without Kenny Tete and Ter- Terence Congolo, both of whom have been out a little while. It's a big game for Fulham. It's a it's a big opportunity for people like Zambo Wangisa to put down a marker and show that you know he can compete with the very best in the league. His audition I think, game. <laughs> well, that's it. That's exactly it. it. Like it could well be Liverpool likely will be looking for a replacement for Ginny Wijnaldum. I think he should be on the list of players they're looking at, and uh, especially if Fulham go down because you know the, the price won't be as high as if they're in the Premier and, League. And we need a relegated player every season. Every season. It's, 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 it's how Liverpool win, is to buy that one relegated player who's got a real point to prove and they come in and they're just dynamite, like Ginny, like Shaq was for a while and like Andy Robertson. So, um, yeah, I mean, here the, the, my hope here is that Liverpool win this game. I think they will win the game. I'm going to say they win it 4-1. Yeah. And I hope I hope Zambo has a really good game for them and, uh, and Kloppo takes notice. Gives him a hug. If he yeah. gives him a hug, that's it. Deal sealed. 
They can I just mean, start printing the jerseys. Yeah, we're, wait, we're waiting on the Mbappe and Haaland, etc. Yeah, they'll happen. get their hugs if we meet them yeah, in the Champions League. Exactly. Well, we met Salzburg. You must have given him a cuddle at some point. Um, oh, definitely. <laughs> um, next up, then, we have Arsenal v Burnley. And Leicester and Brighton's on at the same time. Uh, Leicester-Brighton's on, on prime, but we'll do the Arsenal game first. Um, now, Arsenal are terrible at the minute. But if they drop po- even drop points to Burnley, never mind lose to Burnley, I think Arsenal fan TV might explode. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's been some doubts cast by certain members of AFTV about Arteta. And while you, it's easy to write that off as, you know, lads on the internet, they are quite influential and were, were big, big voices in the Wenger out campaign. Um, if they lose to Burnley, I, I think there's, there's trouble. But, I mean, a draw wouldn't surprise me at all in this game. Uh, Arsenal will be without Nicolas Pepe, who's, who's suspended. David Luiz, who's still out with a head injury. Uh, he, he's got a fitness test, but I, I don't think he'll, he'll play. Reese Nelson has a fitness test. Thomas Partey is ruled out, which is massive. And Gabriel Martinelli is still ruled out as well. So, they're missing some important players there. Um I think I think Pepe should be starting for them in their front three, and Partey is obviously their best midfielder by a country mile. For Burnley, Jack Cork is still out. Dale Stevens has been facing fitness tests the last few weeks and seems to fail them. Mm. Uh, Phil Barsley is a doubt. Uh, Johan Berg Goodmanson is a doubt, and Robbie Brady has a late fitness test. It's Arsenal should win this game. The problem for Arsenal is they struggle to score goals. And if you can't score more than one against Burnley, you do run the risk of get, of ending up with a draw because they will launch balls into your box and the likes of Chris Wood is probably very much looking forward to this game. Um, this is the type of game he normally, normally very much relishes the chance to Win and bully some young centre backs. Yeah. Regardless of Arsenal's defensive improvement, like Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood is a nightmare for Arsenal. Yeah, that's the thing. No matter who you are, like, but no matter who you are, yeah. they are horrible to play against. Mm. J. Rodriguez, um, and that's it. Jay Rodriguez is is such a difference maker for them when when he's on the field. Then you get you know you get quality ball in from either Goodmanson or Brady on one side, Dwight McNeil on the other. Taylor when he plays as well as a good cross with the ball. You get Brownhill breaking into the box from midfield. Um, I I, I think it's going to be a draw. I really do think it's going to be a draw. Arsenal scored 10 goals this year. 10. That's an abomination for a team like that. Now, admittedly, Burnley's only scored five. Yeah, because they seem to win easily. (laughs) Yeah, I know they're playing Irish. Would they play Dundalk yesterday? Dundalk, yeah, yeah, I did indeed. Four uh, two win. Yeah. Dundalk, congrats, gave it a good go. Um, did did the country proud in your in your efforts in your group? Um, Burnley, the thing is, Burnley have only scored five goals this season. So you know they're not likely to score either. But with those two up front, or whichever pairing they go with, I think they'll cause Arsenal problems. I'm going to say Arsenal win. I'm going to say Aubameyang finally wakes up from his slumber. I'm going to go with a win for the Arsenal. 2-1. Grinding it out. 
relying on individual brilliance, but 2-1 and they give themselves a little bit of breathing room. I cannot see this game being enjoyable to watch at all. No, it won't be pretty. No, it won't be pretty at all. It's going to be a bad one. Um, but what might be a fun one is Leicester v Brighton. Uh, this one's on Prime Video, as I mentioned, so if you want to watch that, it will be there. Um, Leicester getting a few players back from injury. I'm pretty sure I saw NDD play yesterday. Um, yes. And Brighton... Uh, bit unfortunate against Southampton. We don't want to talk about VAR because it'll be every bloody show. But VAR. Um, but they, they, again, lacking lacking the striker. I mean, Welbeck's obviously had a couple of good games now, but you can't rely on Welbeck. Morpé, he's done something to annoy Graham Potter. <laughs> um, he's, he's getting sub more regularly and stuff like that. I think he was, he was dropped for Aaron Connolly, wasn't he, last game? Mm. Um. No, I think he was injured last game because he went he? off against Liverpool. He did. So I think. I think he. I think he did have a knock. Right. Okay, that's fair enough then. Um, but like, I could like I could see them threatening Leicester, but next week I, I don't know who they're playing. But if they play like Burnley, I think that's where they'll struggle. If you get what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. No. Totally. Um, I think this is. Leicester haven't looked particularly good since Liverpool beat them. Mm. Um, they obviously lost to Fulham. They got that late winner against Sheffield United. And then their Europa League games just after that weren't particularly good either. They drew with Braga and they lost to Zoria Luhansk. Now, they did win against AEK Athens, which was... You know, good for them to get the back-to-back wins. And maybe that gets them back on track. This will be two teams playing good football, obviously. Uh, Leicester, still no Ricardo Pereira. Uh, he did obviously come back. Brendan rushed him back for that Zoria Lahance game. He got hurt. Sayonchu rushed him back for that game. He got hurt as well. So, you know, well done, Brendan. Uh, Daniela Marti is out. Tim Castanier is still out. And James Madison is a doubt, but he, he might be okay. Um, for Brighton, Adam Lana is out, which I think is just, again, it's another t-shirt that is just always, always relevant. Uh, Alexis McAllister is overcoming COVID. Davy Proper is facing fitness tests, just a, a lack of match fitness with him at the minute. He'll be back soon enough. And Donate is square day and Walton all ruled out for Brighton. Hmm. At home... I think Leicester will have a big advantage in this game, but I do think Brighton can make it difficult for them. If they if they go with a similar setup to what they did last week, which was Veltman, Dunk, and Webster as a three, with Basuma and White as kind of twin holding midfielders in front of them, I think that could cause Leicester some problems in terms of been trying to break them down. Um, I still think Leicester should have too much for them, though. I think they've got the likes of Barnes, the likes of Under, the likes of Vardy, obviously. Hopefully, indeed, he gets a run in this game. It would be great to see him back in the Premier League. He's, he's such a good player. He's one of the best holding midfielders. Um, I'm going to say Leicester win this game. I'll go 2-1 again. I'll go to, I know I, I've gone with 2-1 in a lot of them. 
Uh, but I'll go two one. I think I think it'll be a very entertaining game of football, though. I think when you look at the fixtures through this weekend, there's only a couple that really stand out as likely to be and like Leeds West Ham should be a good game of football tonight. Mm-hmm. Wolves Villa won't be a good game. Mm. Newcastle West Brom won't be a good game. United City, it just depends on what United do tactically. If they decide to park the bus, they could make it a little bit unwatchable. But if their if their counterattacks work, even if they park the bus, but their counterattacks work, then that becomes an exciting game. Everton will be a good game of football. Southampton Sheffield United will be entertaining. But if Sheffield United are bad, it might just be one team slapping the other one around. Palace Spurs will not be a pretty game. See, Liverpool-Fulham's the same as, as Southampton-Sheffield United. It, it could be entertaining, but if Fulham are bad, it'll just be Liverpool bullying them. Arsenal-Burnley will not be pretty at all. But Leicester-Brighton could be a very watchable game. So if you want my advice, I would say there's four games to definitely make an effort to watch this weekend. That's Leicester versus West Ham. United City, Everton, Chelsea, and Leicester, Brighton. Uh, if if you don't support any of those teams, they're the four of the games I would I would advise watching, um, because I, I think they're the most evenly balanced in terms of what the team styles do. Like you're not getting a massive contrast. I don't think in any of those games, West Ham leads a little bit of a contrast. You get the hyper-aggressive team against quite a conservative team in West West Ham. But West Ham do have just that ability to break on you. Plus, they're just interesting at the moment. They're an interesting watch. So I'd say watch those four games plus whoever else you support. Now you've said that Arsenal Burnley is going to be five all, and it's going to Arsenal Burnley is going to be a cracker. <laughs> Wolves are going to roll back time, and they're going to smash seven past Villa. Trial uh, is going to skin twelve people in one goal. See, he, that's that's going to be interesting as well because like Villa binned him off after one summer. Didn't they trade him for Albert Adoma with Borough? I believe so. Um, let me just pull this up because it this rings is a bell. it does ring a bell, right? So. They signed him August 2015. It must have been Tim Sherwood. They sell him <laughs> August 2016 for Albert Adoma and Beautiful. some cash. Albert Adoma currently playing for QPR in the championship. Uh, and I don't even know if he starts for them. The Look at Middlesbrough doing work under Tony Pulis. So Villa got him. He did, now in fairness, he did play every game for them for three years in the championship. But as, as soon as they get into the Premier League, they were like, no, no, not you. No, we're going to the Premier League. You're staying in the championship. Asset. <laughs> not, Nottingham Forest is that way. Uh, Forrest got him, didn't think a whole bunch, loaned him to Cardiff. And uh, he's joined QPR, but he's not first choice. Uh, but it is his boyhood club. So I love seeing stories like that. I do love seeing... Uh, players go back to their boyhood clubs. I think that's quite cool. Uh, but that Villa, that Villa season wasn't that. That was the, the tactics Timmy Sherwood oh, season. Yeah. So he that is worth a quick visit. We haven't we haven't gotten ourselves distracted too much yet. This so here's here's where we go a little bit off game. Timmy's so, career, 2015-16 Aston Villa season. 
They start the year with tactics Timmy Sherwood in charge. He gets the boot on the 25th of October. You have to be really <laughs> bad to get fired in October. Uh, Kevin McDonald takes over as interim coach. They bring in Remy Gard, why nobody knows, uh, on November 2nd and boot him out the door on the 29th of March. And then poor old Eric Black takes over as interim coach and takes him down. Um, they without. I do any not remember Remy Gard. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Jesus. And then he, I think I think he walked. I don't think he I think he actually walked. Hang on. So Remy Gard had been manager of of Leon and he mm. he done he done all right but not great. Um he takes over on a three and a half year deal. He he talks the talk. He's full of his own bravado. Uh became this, you know, disciplinarian, binned Grealish out of the team cuz he'd been pictured out partying or whatever. And then, having failed to lift them off the bottom of the table uh, with a staggering 13% win percentage, uh, 23 <laughs> games, three wins, seven draws, he, he upped and left. He just walked out. Uh, he was last seen failing to manage Montreal Impact very well, and he got the boot there too. Uh, Montreal Impact, was of course. Was he replaced by Thierry Henry? Thierry Henry. Um, is is the manager there now? I'm not sure that he replaced him. No, there was a guy called Wilmer Cabrera managed briefly in between, didn't do well, also got the boot. To be fair, Henri hasn't done well there either. Mm. Um, in fact, nobody has done well there. Jesse Marsh was their first manager. He now one of the hottest, <laughs> one of the hottest prospects in Europe as a manager. Yeah. He won thirty three percent. Marco Shalibom, thirty nine point five percent. Frank Kloppus, we're really breaking at the managerial grades here. Thirty mm. percent. Mario Biello, who I'm guessing is like your Aldi version of Marcelo Bielsa. Yeah. Uh, he got thirty eight point seven percent. Remy Gard, in fairness to him, he did get sacked for doing a bad job. He has the record win percentage there of any of these managers, uh, with forty one point seven nine percent. Wilmer Cabrera thirty three point three three, and Henri thirty one point five eight. Henri's actually got the second lowest, and surely the only reason he's still in a job is because his name is Thierry Henri, so because he is say? not a good manager. Yes. I mean, he he obviously was he was at Monaco and he was. Diabolically poor. He won twenty percent of his games at Monaco. Oh, beautiful! Before getting sacked, uh, I was going on a deep dive of Aston Villa, though, so I've gotten distracted. I've gotten distracted from the thing that distracted me. <laughs> so, so their transfers that summer, right? Yeah. This is this is really interesting. I think it is anyway. They signed Scott Sinclair, who's a decent player, and will mm. go on to do really well for Celtic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they bring in Micka Richards on a free, Mark Bunn on a free. That, that's whatever. They signed Idrissa Ganagay, who is really good, would go on to play for, for Everton for a couple of years, and obviously now a PSG. Jordan Amavi, who's a really good left-back, mm-hmm. uh, he's now at Marseille, starting for them in the Champions League. Jordan Ayew, who's currently playing pretty well for oh, Crystal Palace. Uh, Jose Angel. Crespo, who was only really signed as a squad player, so he, he is whatever. Rudy Castelli was a disaster. Uh, he was only good was in the air. Everywhere, to be fair. Yes. He's a, he is maybe the best header of a ball you'll ever see, 
utterly garbage when the ball is anywhere else other than pinging off his head. Uh, he's currently playing in the Australian A-League for Melbourne Victory. He's due which... at Sheffield Wednesday in January. <laughs> he's a very Tony striker. <laughs> um, Julian Lescott, who's, you know, former England defender, played for City, won titles. His Decent. most memorable not- moment at Aston Villa was the car incident on Twitter. Yes. Yes, they get hammered and he posts a picture of his new car. And then says, someone hacked him. <laughs> of course they did. They hacked you. They had the opportunity to tweet anything they want. But what they did was post out a picture of your car. <laughs> Definitely. That's what happened. Um, they signed Adama Traore, obviously. He's he's turned out to be... I mean, he's, he's what, a 60, 70 million pound player now? Oh, yeah. yeah um, awesome. And Jordan Veritu, who... Roma? would go on to play for Fiorentina and then earn a £20 million move to Roma. So that summer, they signed Gaia, Amavi, uh, Veritois, and Traore. All really good players. Really good players. And all of them flopped. Yeah. All of them flopped. You could make an argument that Gaia did, did pretty well, but mm. the In other the three all flopped and were binned off Immediately. And Jordan Ayew as well, another good player. So it's just that what a weird, weird, weird man tactics Timmy Sherwood is. Are you and Ben Teke? It's Crystal Palace's front line. <laughs> my my favourite thing they did though. Yes. Um their outgoings. So they released Aaron Bent on a free. Isn't he he had been twenty four million pound record signing yeah. from uh from Sunderland. Beautiful. They released Ender Stevens on a free, who's currently starting left back for um, Sheffield United, and is a good player. Uh, Matty Loughton sold to Burnley for a million pounds. He's better than any right back they had there at the time. Um, and then they, they sold. This is this is my favorite thing. If I'm an Aston Villa fan, it's my least favorite thing as a Liverpool fan. They sold Christian Benteke to Liverpool for thirty two point five million. Ugh. They basically turned him into Gaia, Amavi, Veritois, and Traore. In I fact, mean, that's exactly what they did. It's good they spent, on paper. <laughs> with, with, with 500 grand, and you can throw in uh, Jose Angel Crespo. They sold Benteke, signed four good players, and Jose Angel Crespo. And then didn't really make a whole bunch of money off the four players that they that they bought. If they didn't have a PE teacher in charge, that would have been a great summer. They lost money on Veritois, somehow. Beautiful. Which is just, you know, very, very tactics, Timmy. Well, he was gone, so it wasn't his fault, but still. Um, I don't know. I don't think they made any cash on um, on Adama, but I, I think I think they probably got their money back, mm. plus uh, Adama. Uh, Idrissa Gay... They lost money on. They lost two million on him. Uh, Jordan Amavi, I know they lost money on him. Yeah, they lost four million on him. That is remarkable. And um, yeah, Andre Ayew, or sorry, Jordan Ayew, uh, the lesser known Ayew. Uh, they paid eight, they paid nine million for him, and they got back three million plus Neil Taylor. <laughs> who's a solid left back. <laughs> uh, that is not a good return on your investment. Um, yeah, so there is your deep dive into the Aston Villa 
14, oh, sorry, 15, 16 shenanigans. Uh, actually, a really good transfer window, botched dreadfully by tactics Timmy Sherwood, arguably one of the worst managers in Premier League history, uh, despite his claims that his win percentage at Spurs is the greatest thing anyone's ever done. He claimed it was 59%, but it, it wasn't. It was 50%. And, like, let's remember, he was only actually in charge for 28 games. Like, he, <laughs> he, he seems to make out that he was a manager for a long time. He wasn't. He was manager of Spurs for six months, and they horsed him out the door. Because he lost 10 games. You know, he lost 10 of his games there in, in 28. He, he managed Villa for exactly 28 games as well. And they horsed him out the door. Um, he, he managed to last eight months there, but unfortunately for Timmy, like two of them are the summer break. We need so, him back in a job. I'm not sure we need him in a Premier League job. Oh God, I, no, no, Jesus! I, I don't think we need him in a Premier League job, but I mean, I'm sure there's a there's a Championship club out there that wants um, crying out for for a tactics Timmy. Let's have a look now. Uh, don't Darby need a new manager? Tactics Timmy and Wayne Rooney as joint managers. Oh. Would be interesting a little bit of that. Saudi money or whatever it is as well. No, oh, no, let's not give him any money to spend. Jesus, no. Uh, Millwall. He can go oh, and manage Millwall. Perfect. And he can take them where they belong. That's it. Millwall, your punishment for your for your portion of fans booing uh, players taking a knee is that at some point within the next 18 months, you must be managed by Tactics Timmy Sherwood. Gary Rowett, unfortunately, son, mm. you've done a good job. You're no tactics, Timmy. Out you go. Um, that's what we're doing. We're fixing fixing Millwall. Uh, we have gone so off topic and so <laughs> off board. I have no idea where we're, where we are anymore. Uh, but it is the weekend, folks. So football is here. There's loads of games to watch. Some good games. Some that may not be so good. But, um, you know, something to enjoy. If I can just plead with people. If you have... A little bit of time on Sunday. If you're not a Liverpool fan, or you have two televisions in your house, do yourself a favour and watch the All-Ireland Hurling Final this weekend. Limerick against Waterford. It is going to be the best sporting spectacle you see in a long time. A hurling played well is the most enjoyable game to watch in the world, without a shadow of a doubt. So do yourself a favour, watch that. If you need access to it, Liberty Shield VPN, they do a free 48-hour trial, so you can try it out. And if you don't want it, you can cancel it. Get yourself access to RTE Player. Just set the location to Ireland. Go on RTE Player, watch that game. It is going to be an absolute belter. Limerick are in great form. Waterford have battled their way into this position. And they're due. They haven't won an All-Ireland in 61 years. Uh, Limerick won their last one in 2018 so they're the better team they'll be the favourites but don't rule out Warford that's going to be a belt of a game check out eplindex.com and all the writing there check out the podcasts be it the EPL Roundtable or a tad predictable check out Home of Hopcroft not House of Hopcroft that's just invasive on Greg's family Home of Hopcroft .co.uk and uh, other than that thank you to Guy Drinkle Thank you to you for listening. Thank you to Fox Hunt as always. Bye-bye. See you next week.
Social Podcast Network.